The word planet should be reserved for the small number of truly important things in the solar system. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Oh, yeah, baby birthday boy, Brown. Mike Brown. How I killed Pluto and why it had it coming. Yeah, Mike Brown, the go. planet killer. Wow. Two birthdays today, Jamie. Dos anniversaire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you like that? That's, that's trilingual. Dos anniversaire. Uh, yes, John Couch Adams. Couch still being my favourite middle name. Amazing. Very laid back kind of chat. I believe you made that joke last time. <laughs> good, good. Yes, the Cornish mathematician and astronomer basically sat down, did a few calculations and said, crikey, there should be this enormous planet round about here, but didn't really think that he should bother astronomers with it because hmm. they were busy with other stuff mm, and yeah. was pipped to the post by Urbain Le Verrier. Oh, come on. Who made the same calculations at the same time to discover Neptune. Ah, oh, Neppers. Often Neppers. forgotten, but I tell you what, what a beautiful planet. Go to our Neptune special, of course, to yeah. hear more about John Couch Adams and Urban Leverrier. In a very similar way, Michael Brown, Mike Brown, whose also birthday it is today. Happy birthday. Proposed that there is a Planet Nine using a similar mathematical technique. Planet Nine. There we go. So we killed Pluto, but may have another big planet for us to take a look at. Well, I'm I'm all ears. Couple of legends. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, boys. Not been much going on, no. is there in the space world this week? <laughs> this week? Well, nah, virtually yeah. nothing. What a week. What a week for Elon Musk. What a week. Love him or hate him, he's had a good one. Um yeah. wow. Well, of course, last night he was he was launching more and more Starlinks. Yes, so... he was. He was not resting on his laurels. No. Um, yeah, incredible. I mean, I mean, people are talking about the younger generations being inspired. That's how you do it. Big time. I was loving looking at Twitter at seeing all of the young kids surrounded, like just completely engaged, looking at the screen at what was pretty historic. It's really historic, actually. I mean, it's it's incredible what Elon Musk has done in such a short space of time. And what's incredible is, as we're recording this, Jamie, this is the 10th anniversary. June the 4th, 2010, was the first flight of Falcon 9. This is right. And for Absolutely that, yes, incredible. So within 10 years, he's sort of replaced so many things. You know, what a, it was a picture-perfect launch for a start-off. Everything was just yeah. beautiful. But yeah, that it is now grasped from the Russians who were essentially sending, as we said last week, essentially sending people were going to space in the same vehicle, roughly, that was used 60, 60 years ago to get the first person into right. space. And it's only China with the Long March 2B that had another vehicle that was able to take people into space. I mean, what a ridiculous situation we had. Mm. But yes, yeah. absolutely. But and it's just beautiful, isn't it, to watch watch old uh, Bob and Chunky sitting there in their in their capsule. And there was some. I, I thought the best bit was all that kind of communication from the capsule and the fact that they were able to really clear pictures and talk and move about, and we could see the inside of the capsule and. It looked like yeah. you know see the, their floating dinosaur. Yeah, the floating dinosaur, which which according to George is a map because as we know the Earth isn't a globe, and it isn't uh, it isn't flat. It's in it's in fact in the shape of a really? dinosaur. Yeah, the, the dino Are you sure? Yeah, dinosaur Earth and the sequined wow. dinosaur was in fact a map of the Earth. The only way to to successfully navigate the complex gravitational field. Well, fact. God damn, that is a fact. Boom. Jamie. And of course, real one of my favourite photos from the whole thing has been a picture of the worm with the return burn. Yes. It's on the barge, and as it was coming in, a picture of the of, of the worm itself against the charred 
background of the rocket booster and it just looks brilliant and it's already i know the uh, wallpaper on billions and billions of rocket fans mobile phones <laughs> you inspired a movement <laughs> so, incredible yeah really really cool that's it now human space launch has become remarkably cheaper remarkably more reliable remarkably more sustainable 100 yep. percent us made and it's commercially sustainable as well i mean in every way this is a, a complete success story for NASA and for SpaceX and really the American people. And God damn, do they need it right now? Oh, we really, really do need some positive stuff. Um, I think it's incredible. I mean, you know, this is what happens when people can come together and work, right? Yeah. Well, it's often yeah. around one person's vision as well. I mean, Musk totally, his kind of hustle and legal wranglings that managed to secure that first commercial orbital transportation service contract from nasa way back in 2006 yes. you know he really had to fight for that and that was just to give three demo flights of this new rocket he was proposing the falcon 9 mm. and the u.s taxpayer gave him 278 million dollars at that point to say go on then you, right. you go and develop a rocket that is not a lot of money really for this kind of thing and mm. uh so he started a little bit more money came in as well to sort of help develop other parts of the the dragon and things like that uh, but the big chunk of money came in when nasa could see that falcon 9 was serious and they said well i tell you what if if you if once once you've done these demo flights we're going to give you 1.6 billion dollars to resupply the space station 12 times how do you how do you like them onions and of course <laughs> yeah. he, he went I love them onions. And of course that gave them the confidence yeah. to to develop this rocket knowing that the finance was there to do it. Because what's what's incredible about this is once he developed Falcon 9 that those first few demo flights the whole thing had only cost 300 million dollars. And NASA mm. in the same year that SpaceX sort of announced how much it had cost them to build their own analysis said that if then in their normal way of doing business, if they'd used the cost plus way that they'd been doing business, it would have cost the equivalent of $3.6 billion to do the same thing. So yes. that, if you think about it, that's $3.3 billion saved that would go back to the tax plan, you know, back to the US taxpayer. That's hospitals mm. and God knows what else. Um, it's worth of money when you, when you start when you start thinking about it in terms of like the human money. It's it's insane. So just on that front alone, it's incredible. And remember, Jamie, back in two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen, when I used to post on Facebook all those hopper tests. I think everyone thought I'd gone yes. a little bit mental because well, yeah, they still a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but that I mean. See, that's that. All that's going on as well. So he's doing this at the side, going right. I'm going to make. I'm going to make this even better. So, do you want a rundown of some of the most amazingly? Oh, actually, yeah. before before I go on, I, I, it's it's worth saying like a couple of things here because he uh, people like Neil Armstrong and Gene Cern and those types they were not fans of Elon Musk when. Um, Barack Obama cancelled Constellation. They were deeply concerned mm. that NASA were going off in this commercial direction, and they were saying it's going to make yeah. it cost longer. It's going to make the sorry. It's going to make it cost more. It's going to take longer. But they they were just plain wrong, weren't they? They were just plain wrong. Mm. It's it's when you look at SLS, that's still not ready, and that was you know essentially the Constellation program changed, and. Yes. Um, and and as we've just heard, the the, the cost is just ridiculous. You know that it, it really is. But I tell you, who got it right? Buzz Aldrin was always a fan, so he was always a, a kind of muskite, as it were. So that it, it's interesting, Puff isn't buzz, it? Yeah. And it's also in it really is. It's also interesting to note that um, you know that that the Falcon Nine has not only has it ripped Russia's dominance of human spaceflight up. But also stolen Ariane, Ariane's 
dominance, Europe's dominance in commercial yes, space. I know. And and damn it, there was an amazing uh, Jonathan Amos, the BBC reporter, uh, retweeted a article he did in 2012, an interview with Elon Musk, where Elon Musk is basically warning Ariane, going, look, if my, my my rocket's loads cheaper than Ariane 5. Unless you do Ariane 6 and you make it quick and you make it as cheap as mine, you're doomed. And everyone mm. sort of was just laughing at him. But like yeah. eight years later, he's not, not only right, but right in spades. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah. yeah. So do you want to... He played the long game. Fair play was, to that. Yeah, it's not even a long game. And he was just, it, it, you know... Well, yeah, too, in space. You, you, in space, it's not the long no, game, No, you, you build a cheap rocket. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what Ariane and, and ESA and Europe are going to do now to catch up. I mean, the fact that last night was uh, a boost that had been used four times already. Um, mm. And NASA, and ESA haven't even started testing reusability yet we're just miles behind so it's it's mm. uh looks like yeah i mean that's a huge shift isn't it ariane was killing it in commercial space you know it's when you look at how many satellites have been launched by ariane it's it's over half and suddenly mm. that that has now switched to just one dude and his rocket you know it's like he's wrestled it from a, you know a whole bunch of nations and it's just gone to one dude, some some business tech dude, some crazy this South African. And yeah, and wow. It's just my word. My word. So some no- notable flights then, Jamie. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because uh, these are these are cool. So June 2010, exactly 10 years ago, the maiden, maiden flight flights. of Dragon 9. Yes. Oh, sorry. It's a Falcon 9 with a Dragon. Mm. Actually did have a Dragon capsule on it. Um, December 2010 was the COTS C1 Dragon demo flight. Mm. Then, a couple of years later, it was the first of these resupply missions to the International Space Station, CRS-1. Yes. Three years after that and six successful missions, we did have the first bump in the Falcon yes. 9 schedule where CRS-7 failed, yeah. Some support strut somewhere gave way and the whole thing disassembled very quickly. Uh, God, that's gone quickly. Yeah, 2014 was the first mm. controlled descent into the ocean. So we were starting to see them attempting sort of bringing these things down by uh, rocket propulsion. Uh, December yes. 2015 was the first successful landing at a launch pad and the maiden flight of Falcon 9 full thrust. Full thrust. So, yeah, it, it flew up and they managed to land it and stick it down on, on a pad nearby. Incredible. April 2016, of course I still love you. Oh, man. Managed to catch CRS-8. Uh, but here's the really big bump in SpaceX's here's the rub. was the Amos 6 disaster. Oh, yeah. Where, yes, the satellite blew up on the, uh, uh, blew up while on the launch pad. The whole thing. Yeah, that wasn't good. Absolutely awful. Uh, March 2017, however, saw the first reuse of a booster. So remember that CRS-8 that had landed on, of course, I still love you. It was flown again. It landed again and then was retired because it was so important as a, mm. as an artifact, I guess. Um, block four came out in August, 2017 for CRS 12. And then 2017, September, this, this doesn't seem like three years ago, does it? When, when, uh, SpaceX launched the X 37 B. This Have is we thing. really been doing this for this long, Jamie? This is crazy, God, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? Uh, I remember. And then yeah. January 2018 was the mysterious Zuma launch. Zum Zuma. Keys to Mabima. Totally oh, no, successful right, launch it? for SpaceX, but success. everyone said, oh, no, Zuma failed because of some adapter that was holding it in that was the fault of the manufacturer. But who knows? Zuma was a very secretive mm military payload that cost over a billion dollars 
<laughs> well, Matt, let me jump to one of my favourite yes. dates. February 2018, Falcon Heavy putting a Tesla out to Mars. Yeah. I mean, come on. One of the most iconic things to happen in space in the last 10 years. <laughs> yes. Yep. Tick. Tick. March 2019, Crew Dragon Demo 1. So that went up to the International Space Station with a mannequin on board. Yes. Then we had the re- at the beginning of this year, we had the really, really cool in flight abort where they just blew the whole thing up and saw how mm. it uh, worked. And then, of course, this week we had the marvelous Crew Dragon Demo 2. Again, Incredible. everyone was excited. So many people on Facebook and Instagram. All my friends who aren't normally interested in space tweeting about it and sending me WhatsApps like, Matt, have you seen that this is happening? It's like, uh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I know, I, I yeah. It's just like, did you know that this was happening? Yeah. Uh, Are you watching this? Yeah. <laughs> I might be. I might be. <laughs> yeah, so hats off. Incredible. Hats off to Elon Musk. What an absolutely incredible ride he's given us with the Falcon 9. Ten years of Falcon yes. 9, Jamie. Congrats. Congratulations. Ten years. Ten years. Congratulations. What a, what a feat. What a feat. What a feat. Happy 10th anniversary, Falcon 9. Um, oh, yes. oh, yes. Jamie, do you want to hear the science story of the week? The one that I absolutely yes. bloody Please. love. You love this one. More, more, than, more than life itself. <laughs> if there's anything that gets you out of bed in the morning... It's quarks, isn't it? Oh my god, it's quarks. Funnily enough, I did actually add the um that soft cheese. That's called quark, isn't it? To um to oh, to a spaghetti yeah. bolognese yesterday because I noticed the tomato was just a bit a little bit too acidic. So I got some quark and added it in and oh my god, Sorted it out. made my spag bowl proper tasty. Wow, there you go. So, who'd have thought, who'd have thought it? that? Who'd have thunk? Chef Russell. Uh, so yes, Jamie, I think we, I'm going to take this right back. I'm going to do this really simplistically because I, I just think mm-hmm. it's just incredible really. So let's, let's think about the classical view of the atom. You've got this little nucleus yes. in the middle of the, in uh-huh. the case of hydrogen might just be a single little proton. And then this, then this, um, electron whizzing around the outside. Most atoms, of course, are yes. protons and neutrons with, with, the same amount of electrons as protons whizzing around the outside, right? This is it. Uh, But one of these, you know, when you see the kind of textbook atom, that's what it looks like, the classical view of the atom. It's a little bit more complicated than that, of course, in the quantum world where everything is, where the electron is really a cloud of probabilities and things like that rather than Mm. distinct electron orbits. But let's let's stick to a kind of more classical view because I think it kind of helps with this. Although yes. all these processes rely on on the Pauli exclusion principle and stuff like this, so it's all pretty crazy. But so the Rutherford kind of model, we've got this, we've got this um, nucleus, this proton, say, and this cloud uh-huh. of electrons. Now, if you had a proton the size of a football, or the nucleus the size of a football, then the cloud yeah. or the electron would be whizzing around. In a at the size of a very large football stadium. So, if the atom was the size mm. of a very large football stadium, the actual nucleus itself is only this tiny football in the center, right? Mm. And the electrons are this cloud of probability taking up the entire large football stadium, mm. right? So, unlike With the foot- you so far, so unlike the football stadium, of course, this is where the analogy is a little bit crap because unlike the football stadium, most of the mass is concentrated in the football. And only a tiny amount of the mass of the atom, and I mean tiny, is whizzing around the stadium itself. So, right. so basically, all matter is virtually nothing. Nothingness is stadium-sized, and the solid bit is is the football in the middle of a stadium. Mm. So even when you're touching uh-huh. a table, it's it's mostly nothing, and it and it's only kind of. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of uh, oh, what's that film? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, carry on. So it was very <laughs> good funny analogy. analogy. It's very similar. <laughs> well, yeah. if you remember, we'll, we'll, we'll slide it in. I will. Um, I'll try. I want to talk about neutron stars because there's been a, a, a mm-hmm. kind of exciting, not discovery, but an exciting uh, bit of evidence that has come up. So neutron stars, 
they're huge stars. They're originally just huge stars, and they need to be at least eight times bigger than the sun for them to yes. become neutron stars eventually. So what happens is they use up all their fuel. So that, as we know, the sun is burning up hydrogen mm -hmm. and turning it into helium. The energy from that nuclear fusion pushes back on the gravity of the star collapsing. So imagine the sun is very, very heavy, and the whole thing wants to just collapse down under gravity but the nuclear fusion is pushing it all back up so you've got this beautiful mm. balancing act that keeps the star going right yes but there is a point where the fuel starts to run out for example and then you don't get as much push and then you get this thing where the star starts collapsing in and then it heats up and then it's able to actually burn more fuel and you get uh, the push back again. So it's not quite as simple. There's, the, there's quite a lot of kind of balancing acts going on. But there is a point when the whole thing starts to just collapse and no longer this, this mm. nuclear fuel is not supplying the energy to push back against this collapse. And so it yeah. all collapsed down to the electron degeneracy pressure right so this is this point where mm -hmm. you can't squeeze it together any further and that's like you've pushed all the football stadiums right up to each other right so now the football stadiums are all touching and they're all crushed up against each other right remember this right. is an analogy it's not quite like that it's it's a this it's yeah, wrapped up yeah. in more sort of quantum physics but you can imagine that that's kind of where we're at now so the star has collapsed down and all the football stadiums are all pushed up against each other right now that mm. barrier which is the electron degeneracy pressure holding it up now that barrier is what's responsible for white dwarf so if a star sort of at the end of its life, collapses down into a white dwarf, that's where it's stuck, right? Mm. But if a star is bigger than those that cause white dwarfs, you, the, the mass overcomes that barrier. So the stadiums themselves start to get crushed together. And of course, as this thing Whoa. collapses in, the temperatures just rise to this ridiculous level which is a million times hotter than the surface of the sun, right? So, what? And under those kind of temperatures and pressures, the electrons and the protons can actually combine together to make neutrons, right? But mm. as they do that, they release this huge flood of neutrinos, which is why we have these neutrino detectors all around the world, those beautiful, those beautiful... Uh, structures of you know the, yes. that we were talking about a few weeks ago in Japan and places like that were just amazing, and you can test and you can see these neutrinos flood off these these events as they happen, right? So this massive release of neutrinos, but the next barrier, of course, comes down to now we've crushed all the football stadiums. We're now coming down, so all the footballs are next to each other, right? And all these footballs, these Whoa. nucleuses of the atom are now just neutrons because all the all the protons have become neutrons because they've absorbed these electrons and 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 put out billions of neutrinos in the in the process right so now instead of football stadiums all crushed together we have all the footballs all crushed together right Oh, God. And the only thing that's now holding that up is the neutron degeneracy pressure and the strong force, right? So you could kind of see that like the air in the balloon, air in the football and the leather of the ball, right? So it's like the air and the leather of the ball are holding it up now. So now we've got this oh, intense pressure. Now that's where we're at with neutron stars. You basically got neutrons all next to each other, which is a bit like the kind of, which is, I suppose... A bit like a uh, the nucleus of an uh, of an atom, you know, but instead of like mm. if you've got something like iron, which has got fifty six um, protons and neutrons in the center, right? A neutron star <laughs> is an atom with ten to the fifty seven neutrons, <laughs> which is a, which which is a million septillion septillion. A million septillion <laughs> septillion neutrons. That's a lot of zeros. That's, that's a lot that's big. of zeros. Matt, let me ask you a question. Is it heavy? <laughs> like you would not believe. So the normal... Could I do 10 reps? I'd, no. <laughs> so, Definitely not. Well, 
the, the normal thing is to think of it as a teaspoon weighs 10 million tons. So a teaspoon of neutron star stuff weighs 10 million tons. But imagine if you've got a right. grain, a, like a, 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 a grain of sand sized, like just one tiny little grain of neutron star. The Falcon 9 would not be able to carry that into low Earth orbit. It wouldn't be able to take it. So it'd be like... <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, so you'd put this tiny grain of sand on a neut- on a Falcon 9, it just wouldn't be able to take off. That's it, done. <laughs> mm. so that's how heavy this, this thing has become. And if you think about it, Dang. it makes sense because you've removed the stadium of nothingness and you're just down to the, the heavy bit. You're just down to all the heavy bits mm. all touching each other. But here's right. here's where this new paper comes in. So there's a new paper, Evidence for Quark Matter Cores in Massive Neutron Stars. So th- this is the cool bit, right? So we've just covered the background. So according to a theory within quantum chromodynamics, there's a distinguished professor called Edward Shuriak back in 1980, and he proposed that once it gets dense enough and you're pushing down hard enough on these neutrons neutrons all stuffed together that should collapse eventually like the, like a burst football and you end up with yeah. this soup of quarks and gluons right and mm. that's actually been proved to be true in you know in things like the large hadron collider they've managed to see this happen but there's been no evidence as yet that this happens inside neutron stars but you can imagine like the core of a neutron star must just be one of the most intense places right so this paper uses quite a few interesting things so remember on podcast 151 we talked about how they discovered a huge neutron star that if it got any bit bigger would actually bend space-time so significantly it would become a black hole, you know. So hmm. it's like on the edge. And so you've got these huge neutron stars. And what they're saying is that the normal your normal neutron stars probably only have neutrons all the way down to their cores. But these bigger ones, these that were, of which we haven't really seen that many, but the, but the ones we have seen, they've been able to look at sort of tantalizing evidence that actually they probably do have this quark soup core and it might actually be quite a significant size of the neutron star in itself isn't that a um subgenre of metal in norway quark soup core yeah which well if it isn't it should be if now. it isn't shout out to the norwegian teenagers you know <laughs> big shout out see what you can do with that genre <laughs> Um, yeah, Emily Anala and the team at in yes. Helsinki, uh, they've been using the gravita- gravitational wave information. So when there was that neutron star merger called GW170817 back in 2017, again, something that we talked about on the podcast because we've been doing this so long now, Jamie. Uh, so yes, long, the veterans. Fir- was the first ever... Uh, you know, neutron star merger, and it was detected by LIGO and was one of the most remarkable events in in astronomy so far. So, but as they orbited each other, they, um, these enormous objects, obviously the gravitational fields around them pull and push the other one loads, which causes them, I guess, to ring like bells. So we're back into kind of acoustics of these Things mm. now the, these sound frequencies that sort of vibrate through these enormous objects can be seen in the gravitational wave signal. You know, if using like God knows how. I mean, the, the, we're we're talking serious bits of maths and computational science and and just right. enormous brains and and just the fact that humans are able to do this just shows what a remarkable mm. species we are. But they can, they, can <laughs> they can see the sound frequencies within the gravitational wave signal. And they've been looking at the maths of, of, of what should happen to the speed of sound, for example, in different materials. So if it was made from normal neutron star stuff, what would the speed of sound be doing? And if it was made of quark soup, what, should, what would the speed of sound be looking like? And they it, basically what this what the data seems to suggest is, you know, unless the speed of sound is reaching light speed within the star in, within these stars, then it's it's more likely 
that it's actually this quark soup that's that's creating these effects. So right. so it looks like there's pretty good evidence that the massive neutron stars have got these huge cores of quarks and gluons, not even neutrons anymore. It's even more ridiculous than that. And, of course, that's like the very early start of the universe where there was the quark epoch. Uh, and correct. so so hopefully this this knowledge will help us sort of delve even deeper into the start of the universe. And, of course, more and more neutron star mergers are being discovered by LIGO, and so the results should, over time, become more and more accurate. And so we're looking at, you, you know, this gravitational wave uh, discovery, LIGO, it's it is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. This is the golden age of astronomy. It's just getting yeah, it's getting better and better, isn't it? It really is. And wow. Uh, and in the meantime, I saw a preprint of a paper by a team led by a PhD student called Adele Goodwin, who'd been yeah. watching a neutron star feeding off an accretion disk that, of material that it had stolen off a, a nearby star, and then convert that over 12 days into this burp of x-rays so like this neutron star eats the accretion disk then burps out an x-ray and the energy that this x-ray burp has is more energy than the sun puts out in 10 years what <laughs> so these things are these these objects are incredible incredible objects neutron stars are the more you read about them, the more absolutely insane an object they are. And the fact that they exist and the fact that we can see them and the fact that they were theorized and everything and the spins and how, you know, th these like <laughs> objects as heavier than stars, but as small as cities spinning thousands of times a second, burping out x-rays. Incredible. Love it. Matt, let me, uh, let me say something to you. <laughs> Hang on. Just incredible. All this excitement, though, has been nothing to the excitement that was happening on the Patreon channel. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> So I, uh, I'm going to play you uh, some little snippets that John Benack, one of our absolute legendary uh, yes. patrons, who, <laughs> who, who is what also the director of yeah. Advanced Concept, Concepts at NanoRacks, which is... Well, one, of course he is. Well, you know, big time. So he's an absolute... He's a space legend in his own right, and I will get him back on to talk about NanoRacks. But this is, some, yeah. this is his own little personal adventure, and, and as he says, it... Uh, it uh, is not endorsed by Nanorax, but he uh, he just decided to get in his car, uh, buy a canoe, get in his car with his dog, and drive down to Boca Chica. Do you want to do you want oh, to hear what happened? My God, I really want to hear what happened. <laughs> it, Let's roll it. It's so cool. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. Oh. I am somewhere off of Boca Chica State park the sun has definitely set there is some light yet some afterglow i've got my trusty spaniel hoodoo there's a, a half moon above me i've got spacex office facility in front of me all lit up um to the right i can't see it anymore but there's a star hopper you know test area uh, serial number four is not there because a couple hours ago it went to bluey and so it's not even on the horizon i don't know if the explosion toppled it or if they pulled it down afterwards but uh it's just star hopper which the stainless steel lit up in the sunset for a couple minutes it's been a great paddling trip i feel strong i had a dairy queen grilled chicken salad been tons of birds there have been so many fish jumping that you know some chance that a fish is going to jump into my canoe and if a fish jumped into my canoe i would eat it tonight so i'm going kind of close to the shore and there's mosquitoes 
wonder if I were further out if there wouldn't be mosquitoes, but fortunately I packed some bug spray, which happens to be in the box right in front of me. So this, uh, this body of land beside me on the satellite image has some car tracks, so I know that the ground is firm enough for me to pitch a tent. But I really like the idea of camping on an island. So I'm going a little bit further south in this, uh, I guess it says South Bay on the map. Ooh, lightning on the horizon. I'm going a little further south because there's like an island that, you know, looks the same as the land with the tire track. So, you know, I've, I've never been out here, and so I don't really know what to expect. I decided to come out here just a couple days ago. You know, I've wanted to come out here for a long time, and I watched all the Launch America stuff. Uh, I guess it was yesterday? Yeah, or Wednesday, I don't know, a couple days ago, and um, and when that launch got delayed, I thought, oh, how cool would it be this weekend if I went to Boca Chica and was able to stream the launch from there. Right now I've got one bar. E. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello, John. Yeah, I'm phoning you because obviously you're doing your absolutely uh, awesome road trip. What, 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 what? <laughs> what on earth made you do? What on earth made you suddenly think I've got to go down to Boca Chica? Well, I, you know, I mean, I've been wanting to come down and see Starship for a while. Uh, you know, I like getting out in nature anyway. This is a bit further than I would naturally go, just on a whim. <laughs> it was a six-hour drive, but there's not... Yeah, so uh, I was thinking about coming down, and then when the flight got delayed to the weekend, I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to watch the flight from Boca Chica? So wow. my wife was happy to uh, you know, have the <laughs> excuse to go visit her family, and she encouraged me. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> so you got a six-hour drive. Yeah, and 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 then what yeah. Did you do? So I, you know, I I left like uh, I work, and uh, I had a couple of Skype video calls with coworkers on the drive down, and I told them I was like, "Hey, I'm going to Boca Chica." They're all pretty excited, um, you know. And then we did like our work calls, and. Uh, I just put in like SpaceX launch facility into my GPS and my plan was to go there and then drive around until I found a place to put the canoe into the water. Cause when I looked on the map, you know, there's, it's, there's places here where I can be. Uh, but when I got to the road highway four, there was a police officer stopping cars and there I am with my canoe on top <laughs> and there are all these other cars coming in. So I pulled up and he's like, are you going to the beach? And I was like, yeah. And, uh, he said that everyone else was SpaceX employees going in for a shift change. So I pulled out my Atlas. So I, I parked and I pulled out my Atlas and I brought it up to him. And I'm like, I'm not really going to the beach. I'm going to Boca Chica state park. And he's like, no, you can't, you, you can't go to any of these places. So I showed him on the map, there's this place called Port Isabel that's, uh, you know, five miles north. And I, I told him, I was like, well, you know, you think I can go there? And I don't think he really cared about what I was saying, what I was doing. He's like, yeah, sure, just go somewhere else. So I drove around and, um, you know, tried a couple places, couldn't find a place to put in. Uh, because obviously I wanted to be as close as possible. So I found this old rundown marina um, where, you know, there was no gate or anything and this dingy boat ramp. And um, there were some other cars parked there. So I felt safe about parking my car there. So I, it was, I thought that I would need a couple hours and uh, to, to make the trip. And I needed more than that. <laughs> but um, so I, I put the canoe in and started paddling. And, uh, you know, 
the tide comes up and down and it's really shallow and it's really a maze coming through all these little islands. Um, so the sunset, <laughs> uh, there were some other people fishing and I wasn't sure where to go. I approached these, some people on a, on a fishing boat and I was like, can I get some directions? They're like, yeah. So where's SpaceX? They kind of pointed, <laughs> uh, you know, to these, buildings over here so the beautiful sunset there were dolphins tons of birds there were fish jumping all over the place i kind of thought that maybe one would jump into my boat um and uh there was some moonlight some clouds um i got uh so when i was I kept on thinking, oh, yeah, I look on the GPS. Like, oh, I'll go here, I'll go here. And then, like, it wasn't really a good place to go. And before I knew it, I was right here at the SpaceX facility. And I kind of resigned myself because the sun set and it was dark. I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to make it there tonight. I'll have to go there tomorrow. But, like, I just couldn't find a good place to put in until finally I was at the end of the road at SpaceX. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to. And I had to drag my canoe. So underneath the boat, there were tire tracks. And the tide was going out and I was bottoming out. And so anyway, I had to, uh, just oh, drag the God. canoe, like, <laughs> I don't know, quarter mile almost. Uh, so finally at about midnight, I got the, uh, you know, everything set up and got in bed. Um, and at 6.30, there was a rainstorm, and I've got my Cocker Spaniel with me, and he woke up. He had never been in a tent, <laughs> certainly not in a rainstorm, so uh, anyway, he finally went to sleep, and I went back to sleep, and then at 7.15, um, a SpaceX guy, I think it was a SpaceX guy, woke me up, and you know, I'm, I got the rain fly. He couldn't see me, so I'm sitting there in my underwear in the tent. And this guy's like, hey, what are you doing here? How'd you get here? And uh, yeah, I think I answered his question satisfactorily. Um, but he told me to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean I, I've been lucky enough to be seeing the pictures. And, and where your tent is, yeah. it's just unbelievably close. <laughs> I mean, you can, <laughs> I mean, you can see, you can see the, the, the hopper and the... And, because I mean, this is hours yeah. after SN4's blown up, right? So it's still a, sold, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, a smoldering mess right in front of the picture in front of your tent. I mean, it's absolutely well. Incredible. You know, there was uh, like a methane torch. I mean, there was a flame. You know how an oil hmm. refinery? I'm in Houston. There's a lot of oil refineries. Like they'll have these little flame out things. Hmm. Um, so th there was this flame, and I think I think it was just you know. I would imagine, I'm guessing, that they have some methane boil off or something, and they something was on fire. <laughs> that surprised me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think well, I think one of the reasons why SN4 blew up is some is is that is the methane piping underneath that go you know that sort of that fuels yeah. the actual thing. So. Yeah, there obviously is some kind of yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen the the sort of flame on the yeah that 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 thing crop. But I mean, right. what what an epic what an epic thing to do. I mean, I, I love the yeah. fact that you've kind of almost given up and then you've pitched your tent right by the place. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah. that there was I, no better place. So I'm, I'm kind it of it was easier to paddle than to slog <laughs> off the shore. Well, I'm kind of thinking, do I, do I, do I put this out on the podcast? Because I, I, I can't help feeling it's going to encourage people to do like a silly, insane thing like you've just done. I mean, it's, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a heroic, yeah, heroic yeah. bit of paddling. Well, you know, I think that uh, I think that people have kind of lost touch a little bit with getting outside, and <clears throat> mm. you know, I invested in a canoe and some camp gear and you know uh, space exploration i mean exploration it's all about exploration and i think that people who are into space exploration should also explore the earth um remember who was it i think was it helen bean 
he got back from the moon and he landed in the water and he looked around and I said, wow, it's a beautiful place. Oh no, it was Michael Collins. Yeah. And he was talking about the beautiful blue ocean. And, um, <laughs> so I really think that people in, who are fans of space exploration, if they're not, uh, knowingly fans of camping and getting outside, then I think that there's, there's probably part of everyone that wants to get outside. But I think if you really like exploring the universe, you should explore the earth. Yeah. Do you know what? I've never really equated the two, but yeah, I, I certainly grew up reading things like Shackleton and, and stuff like that and, uh-huh. and, and, and going camping, you know, I've, I've always gone camping and, and exploring. So yeah, maybe there's something in that. I didn't, I, didn't, I never really thought about yeah. it. But yeah. Yeah. Ex- explorers. Yeah. People into space are explorers, but yeah, I mean, what, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's okay for me to mention that of course that you're also uh, a big wig at one of the sort of greatest space companies there is around at the same time as well at NanoRacks. Is that uh, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I am not this, my activities today are in no way associated <laughs> with <Yeah>. my employer. <laughs> well, that's what I was the thinking. The views I that thinking. I express are my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, God, maybe I get him in all, all sorts of trouble. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's kind of crossing the streams a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're welcome to put on a podcast. I, I am not sure, you know, one person on a tent Maybe they're fine with, but like if suddenly it becomes a, a pastime. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that people well, that, to yeah, well, camp that's out. What, that's what I was thinking. I mean, because I've never seen anything quite like that. I've never seen that. It was just a. It was just that moment when your uh, your picture of you in your tent came up on the Discord, and I was thinking, that's just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, is that, I, I feel is like that I've discovered the Northwest Passage. You know, yeah. like I came under cover of night. You know, mm. when the tides were such that, wow. <laughs> that I was it's... able to get somewhat close. Yeah. And, I... uh, yeah, I really feel like I, I I got to see something special here because of the explosion and the wreckage and the fact that I was able to get here, you know, and even the timing of it all. You know, I'm not sure that uh, this is a, uh, re- you know, often replicatable experience no no no, you've 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 really smashed it i mean we we were all jealous on the discord before you'd you know while you were driving down but the fact that you've you've had such an adventure yeah that is just absolutely superb well done yeah yeah. thank you yeah and and you've always been a brilliant contributor as well to the discord so yeah you are you're an all-round legend well, I, I must, I must get you on to talk about nano racks at one point because they are what, what an epic company that is. So, I must get sure you on thing. If, That'd be if, great if you really want to come on, yeah, and, and talk about nano rocks proper, properly. But I just thought, we'd, I yeah, just have, well, we've I got a lot of interesting stuff in the hopper. Work out my own space adventure now. Not that there's much going on in uh, <laughs> sounds in, great in, in England. Cornwall. <laughs> well, yeah, I could. Yeah, I mean Cornwall. Cornwall. I can sneak. Well, I, I've already climbed up the the. the the Goon Hilly radio dishes and stuff like that, which was which was epic. Oh yeah, but but uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a space well, launch there for, for for some time, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what: if you plan a trip to Texas when the tides are up at nighttime, I'll take you out in the canoe. We'll see how close we can get. Oh yes. That is that's a very good call. Do you know? <laughs> I tell you what: I've been out in one of those canoes like you've got. And the moment the uh-huh. wind gets up, it's almost impossible to, to to sort of get anywhere. I remember being in a panic about it because it was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm actually going to get stuck here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got I, I got a decent canoe and it was kind of loaded down. Um, and this this area, you know, like I said, it's kind of like a maze. And so that knocks down the waves. It, the water is very calm where I'm at. There is a bit of wind. I was worried though. I thought, man, what about what happens if when I need to get out of here, you know, the weather's not good. Uh, um, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe it's actually crazier than you think. There's <laughs> like a lot of those things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, we're I, I, I'm, I'm close to civilization. Honestly, I could walk over to Highway Four and get an Uber if it costs a lot of through. 
<laughs> do you think? I was going to say, do you think the Uber guy is going to be okay with you strapping your boat on the on the roof rack? I might get one. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for calling. You know, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the show, and uh, I'm flattered that you. Uh, oh man. You know, well, uh, yeah, well, that's, that, and, uh, well, that's that's really hopefully cool. Hopefully, people connect more. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, definitely, we'll definitely get you back on. Well, now I've got now I've got your phone number. You've got no choice. <laughs> the interplanetary podcast is. Alive! There, there you go, Jamie. Is is John How not, good's not the hat? is is John now not your favourite person in the universe? I think he might be. That is incredible, John. Yes, get now in, Matt. Yes, if somebody wants to join, John. Yeah, I know you can. You can speak to John. You can speak to John regularly. <laughs> patrons, how do you do this? You can just go to uh, www interplanetary.org.uk or go straight to www.patreon forward slash interplanetary. Matt, this has been emotional. What are you up to now? I'm off to eat some quark soup. What are you doing? I'm going to write an acoustics lecture and give it in a moment. And give it. And give it to a bunch of students who, get this, students in lockdown, they demanded a module. They want, they want to do more learning. This is like the more, more learning. This learning. Is, it's extraordinary. Hashtag more learning. Hashtag, there we yeah, go. Hashtag more learning. So, yeah. Well, do it. God bless you, uh, people. Um, stay safe out there. And remember, look up at the stars. They're looking down at you. Keep looking up. Jamie, by the way, did you see, did you manage to see the, the dragon chasing the ISS? I didn't see it, no. No, I didn't manage to get to see no, it either. I didn't see it. Did anyone see it? Anyone listening see it? Get in touch. Yeah, a lot of people in the UK did manage to go and see it, including Tim Peake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which must did. have been yeah, quite cool it. for him. I mean, he must Incredible be I wonder, I wonder if Tim Peake's excited about about his his chance to go up on a Falcon 9 soon. Well, I think he must be. I was I was looking at his Twitter and he was all over it. All, all over, over it. it. So, yes. All over it, mate. Yes, yeah, so hopefully hopefully we're going to see Starliner join soon as well and a long march 5b uh, joins soon and and, and yeah a, big time and and india joins soon with their gslv mark 3 so hopefully we'll see Good some whole, whole raft of new human space flight coming online and of course well let's not i think the next space. big one has to be sls jesus that's going to be exciting well, <laughs> if it happens yeah, yeah all right yeah. anyway jamie yes i'm gonna love and leave you Okay. And I'm going to do this. I'm fine with that. Bye, my smart chaps. See you soon, bye. Next week for more fun in space. Bye.